you're actually listening to me talk to you before the introduction of this podcast for a very specific reason. In the two years or so that I've been doing the Tailwind Coaching Podcast, never once did I ever believe that I would be saying thank you to my listeners for pushing this podcast past a quarter million downloads. And it's kind of humbling to know that people download and share and listen, and it's great to get the feedback from those people to know that the podcast that, that I do and try to provide has managed to make an impact on so many people. So I just want to thank all of you, all of my loyal listeners, those of you who've downloaded, those of you who have shared with your friends and your family. Thank you for pushing this podcast past a quarter million downloads. Uh, it, it, it almost makes me a little bit speechless to be able to say that. But here's looking forward to another quarter million and another 80 some odd episodes in the near future. So with that being said, again, thank you so much. And let's get on with the show. You're listening to episode number 82 of the Tailwind Coaching Podcast. Welcome to the Tailwind Coaching Podcast, where it's all about smart, efficient training so you can crush your cycling goals. And now, your host, Coach Rob Manning. All right, welcome everybody to episode number 82 of the Tailwind Coaching Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that makes real science real simple. I just want to tell you the website, the Tailwind Coaching blog, my online training plan store, and the episode show notes receptacle is available at tailwind-coaching.com. To make sure you don't miss anything on the website and to get all those training tips, tricks, all those occasional exclusive discount codes, all that kind of stuff into your inbox, head on over to the Tailwind Coaching newsletter and subscribe there, tailwind-coaching.com slash sign up. You can contact me at coachrobdc at gmail.com or coachrobdc at tailwind-coaching.com. You can follow me on social media by heading over to the website and look for the About option on the menu in the upper left-hand corner. Episode show notes for this particular podcast is going to be tailwind-coaching.com slash 82. That's the number 82. And if you do enjoy this podcast, head on over and rate the podcast on iTunes, and there will be a link in the episode show notes. And that ranking helps me move up the podcast ranks. The more people that get to see it, the more people get to enjoy and use this material. And of course, getting that free advice out there is what this podcast is all about. I don't charge anything for it. I just want to see people enjoy riding their bike a little bit more. And that seems to be what's going on. If you do enjoy the podcast and you're looking for a way to support the show, head on over to the website, click on one of my Amazon links, and do your Amazon shopping through one of my affiliate links. It doesn't cost you anything, and it does help support the cost of hosting and bandwidth and all that kind of good stuff to support the show itself. Of course, for your loyal listeners, you'll know on my training plan store, you can take 10% off by using the discount code podcast 10 on checkout and that'll take 10% off anything in that store so with all that out of the way let's get to the meat and potatoes of today's show which is how how to build your own cycling training camp now one of the most important things to answer one of the most important questions to get out of the way before we can talk about building a training camp 
is what exactly is a cycling training camp? Now, many of you who are avid followers of the professional Peloton will understand, okay, training camps are those things that the pros go to in the off season. You know, they play volleyball, they swim, um, they look really, really, really bad in their swim trunks, their swimsuits, because for the most part, they're, um, you know, they have the physique of about a 10, 15 year old boy. Um, <clears throat> even the women have better physique than the men. It's, it's unbelievable, but I digress. Training camps for the professional Peloton are those places for teammates to bond with each other and really get acquainted and understand how the new people on the team tick and maybe reforge some you know, previously, I don't know, some previously damaged or um, some previous issues can get mended, things like that. However, if you're not on a racing team, you're not on a professional team, well, what, what is a training camp? What good is a training camp? What if you're just looking for, you know, a way to get away for a little while and ride your bike and build a little bit of fitness? Is a training camp a good thing for you? And the answer, of course, is yes. You don't have to be on a professional cycling team in order to reap the benefits of a training camp. See, aside from all of the you know, touchy-feely stuff where all the teammates get together and they talk about each other and they have dinner together, etc., etc. Aside from all of that, a training camp is simply a way to get a significant amount of training stress in a short period of time. Now, that short, high-volume amount of training stress, that short, high-volume amount of work can give you a massive boost in your fitness, assuming you execute it properly. Now, there's a lot of ways to execute a training, uh, training camp properly, but there's also a lot of ways to get it wrong, too. And when you get it wrong, in many cases, the, the training camp actually will do more harm than good. So, what do you need to know? What do you need to be able to do in order to execute the perfect cycling training camp? Well, there's one basic tenant behind a training camp, and that is to do work, all right? That is simply to do work, and we're not talking about your typical office kind of work, or we're talking about putting together your race schedule or anything else. We're not talking about even building your training program, although in some cases, some people will actually do training camps in which they involve those things in the training camp, and, and, and that's okay. That's definitely okay, and that could be an, a fantastic way to take out some recovery time while actually still getting the training stress that you need, doing some valuable work on your training schedule or on your racing schedule while still getting some recovery. That's a great thing, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes. The main goal of a training camp, and I've done a few of them in my time, it is to spend time on your bike. It's it's the gold standard of what can I do to be a better rider? Well, get on your bike and ride your bike. That will make you a better rider, right? And the more intensity that you're going to put in during a training camp, the higher the spike in fitness you can see when the camp is over. And if you want to make the most out of your time, you have to understand a couple of concepts to make that training camp work. The number one thing that you have to do during any training camp, whether it's a training camp where you will 
spend time at volume, you'll spend time doing intensity work, whatever the case may be. You need to maximize your training stimulus, right? If the goal of a training camp is to overload your body with training stimulus, you want to get as much training stress in as possible. That is going to be your main goal of any training camp. And there's a couple of ways to pack that down. And each way of doing it has its own benefits and it has its own negatives as well. There's positives and negatives to both methods here. Now, the number one method, the thing that I tend to focus on for a training camp, um, especially for a shorter training camp, all right, the key word here is shorter, is maximizing your intensity. The more intense your workouts, the more work gets done in a shorter period of time. And that's really, really important in a shorter training camp. And, and shorter training camps, now, those of you who are in the Northern Hemisphere, um, those of you who are about to go into the fall and winter season, cold, frigid, bitter cold weather, snow, bad weather, short amounts of daylight. These are all limiting factors that will shorten the length of a training camp, right? Now, maybe you can do a five-day training camp somewhere, but if you only have like six hours a day, that's a pretty short training camp when it really comes down to it. As opposed to the folks who are actually, you know, in near the equator, say they go to a training camp in Hawaii or Florida, say Hawaii, um, and they have maybe 12 hours of daylight, 10, 12 hours of daylight. That's a lot more time that you can break into interval work or intensity work or something else. So if you need to maximize your training stress, maximizing intensity is a great way to do it. Now, intensity, along with volume, is one of those base metrics, and you have to balance the two, right? The harder the efforts that you're going to undertake, or the harder the intervals you're going to do, the shorter they need to be. You can't simply do high-intensity work 24-7 for five days a week and hope that you're going to survive. You simply can't do it. You can't do it at the same volume that you would do other training, so the harder the efforts, the shorter the efforts, right? You need to balance the intensity and the volume for a more effective training stimulus. At some point, you will spend so much intensity that you will burn out. You will not be able to maintain that intensity for the length of a training camp. So you need to balance intensity and volume across a training camp. Now, just like a balance, when one side goes up, the other goes down. If you're really in a short term situation, you have a short camp, you have a lot, very little bit of daylight, you don't have a lot of time to spend, maybe the intensity scale goes up while the volume scale goes down. If you're in a longer term training camp, say you can afford the luxury of a seven day camp, maybe the volume goes up and the intensity level goes down a little bit, right? Higher intensity with a lower volume allows you more work in a shorter amount of time, and more time for recovery, which is a very good key point here, and I'll get onto that a little bit later. But it's important to bear in mind that the higher the intensity, the more recovery you need, but the more time you have for it. Right? When you're maximizing intensity, you're going to want to work on a couple of specific skills. VO2 work. 
right? VO2 max work and functional threshold power work are the staples of many of my training programs and many training programs out there in general. VO2 max is VO2 max work is basically designed to try and raise your fitness ceiling. So increase the amount of oxygen utilization your body has to use. Once you do that, suddenly it's a lot easier to spend time at a higher power level because you do not fatigue. You don't run into that red zone as quickly. So VO2 max work, short VO2, three minutes at 120%, midterm, mid-length VO2 max, excuse me, about five minutes, 115%, longer VO2, up to eight minutes at 110% of your functional threshold. Those are key pieces of any training camp. The other high-intensity training camp piece that you need to look at are high-intensity skills such as sprints, uh, track sprints, rolling sprints, things like that, race winner drills, which I talked about in my um, uh, road race training tips and tricks podcast, which I think was podcast 81. That would be tailwind-coaching.com slash 81. Um, And some one-minute drills. One-minute drills are a great high-intensity, short-duration kind of effort. And there'll be a link in the show notes to my Zwift Minuteman workout, which honestly is one of the probably one of the hardest workouts that I've ever developed. And during the Zwift coaches challenge, that that was the workout that broke a lot of people. Um, It's an incredibly difficult workout to complete. You're not intended to complete the whole thing the first time, but it's a great example of what one minute efforts can do for you. And it's a great way to build on one minute efforts during your training camp, right? Now that we've covered intensity, We've maximized our intensity. The next basic tenant here is maximizing your volume. And the key to any training camp is volume. The idea here is to ride your bike a lot. How much you ride your bike is dependent on the intensity like we just talked about. Now in this case, volume can mean either significant amounts of lower intensity work or a specific volume of higher intensity work. I have to think of a good way to put that so that it didn't sound confusing, but let me say it again. Your volume can either consist of a higher volume, a specific volume of lower intensity, more aerobic work, or a higher volume of, or excuse me, a lower volume of higher intensity work. Remember I talked about that scale where intensity is on one side, volume's on the other. You have to weigh the two together. Now, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, high intensity cannot be the only thing that you do. You have to balance this with some amount of volume in order to build fitness, right? Your body will adapt to these demands that are placed upon it. And yes, even if you do a ton of high intensity work, you do need to do a certain amount of volume to reinforce that, to train your body to have fatigue resistance in some way, shape, or form, all right? And if we're talking about a dedicated training camp, which we are, training camp volume is going to be high overall. Regardless of the intensity that you are undertaking, Training camp volume is going to be on the order of probably 50 to 100% higher than your typical training week. I'm going to say that again. 
50 to 100% higher than your typical training week. That, folks, is a lot of training stress when you really think about it. All right, 50 to 100%, that's a ton of training stress. If you actually do, um, say, 400 training stress points of work in a week, that's your typical training stress, imagine adding another two to 400 points of training stress in a week. That's a lot of work. All right? You can only get a certain amount of that from intensity. So those VO2 max intervals, those sprint training intervals, things like that. The other thing that you're going to build into your training camp are significant amounts of functional threshold work, sweet spot training, and endurance work. All right. There are plenty of training camps that I've been to where the first day is a long ride. All right. I've been to training camps in the early, early days of April where the first day you're going out for 50 miles. And it's not really an easy 50 miles, but it's a 50 mile ride. For people who spent most of the winter on the trainer, that 50 mile ride's a shock. Right? It's forcing your body to aerobically adapt. That's what it's designed to do. All right, so we're maximizing the volume in our training camp so that we can build intensity on top of it. Now, we've got a balance between intensity and volume. How do we make sure that we get the most out of our training camp without blowing up, without wasting our time? We make sure that we get the most out of our training by prioritizing our recovery. All right, a recovery is the key. As I've talked about in the past, recovery is how our body adapts to training stress. We do not get stronger by putting our body under stress. Our body gets stronger when it recovers from that stress. Now, that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but, but if we don't get stronger by stressing our body out, why do we go to a training camp? We go to a training camp to break our body down. That's the point of a training camp is to break down our body so that when our body rebuilds itself, it rebuilds itself stronger than it was in the past. That, folks, is the key to a training camp. All right? We're causing our body to basically fail during a training camp. And once it fails, it's going to rebuild. And it's going to rebuild a hell of a lot stronger than it was before that training camp. So, you need to prioritize your recovery, especially during that camp. Afterwards is a completely different story because that's when you're going to absorb all that training stress. But you do need to prioritize that recovery, especially during the camp. And you need to recover the same way you would train, right? So if you train hard, you need to recover harder. You need to recover just as hard as you train. Now, I'm going to include a link to a couple of previous resources that I've written and podcasted about on recovery. And I encourage you to really take a long, long look at those. If it's a podcast, go take a listen to it. See what it's got to say. Because recovery is so, so, so very important to the success of a training camp. But if you're building your own training camp, and I'll this is that was just a sidebar, but there's a lot of information there and there's too much for me to really go into in the scope of this podcast. It's more about how to build your own camp, not how to recover during it. But I digress. You need to build recovery time into your training camp schedule. 
All right. So when you're building a training camp, for example, if I'm going to sit down and I'm going to build a training camp for somebody the first day, I'm going to build in three hours of sweet spot training with a couple of higher intensity intervals. The next day, we're going to go high intensity. We're going to go lots of VO2. We're going to go sprints. We're going to do some zone three and four work a little bit. We're also going to, on that second day, we're probably going to, I don't know, spend some time sitting on the couch, uh, spend some time reviewing our training data. Excuse me. We're going to spend a little bit of time maybe taking a look at our future racing schedule. We might even spend some time... Oh, I don't know, outlining our goals for the season and taking a look at um, what our season-long training program is going to be. Day three. Day three is going to be a zone two type of day. Zone two, zone three kind of work, longer aerobic endurance kind of day. Day four, we're going to be talking high intensity again, VO2, race winners, Tabata type intervals, um, minute, one minute intervals, things like that. Last day, sweet spot training, functional threshold training, aerobic training. So in those days, those days where I'm doing high intensity work, there's more time to recover. We're going to spend more time recovering. I'm going to build in recovery time. That might mean we're building in time for an ice bath, or we're going to build in some time to take a walk with a dog, or we're going to build some time into, um, if we're somewhere warm, go for a swim. We're going to build in some time that's going to get our body to move a little bit and recover. That's the primary goal of recovery and building recovery time into your training camp. All right. If you are doing a longer camp, now for those of you who are doing short camps that are like a long weekend, maybe a three-day camp, you can get away with simply recovering at night, recovering in the evenings, and building additional recovery into your training program after the camp. For those of you who are doing longer camps, if you're getting away for five, six, seven days, I'm going to actually tell you, build one day of complete rest into your training camp schedule. Complete rest may even mean going for a walk with a dog, going for a hike, etc., etc. But it's a day where you're not going to be on your bike. It's going to be a recovery day in another fashion, whether it's Something active, some swimming, some ride, uh, some walking, whatever, or just sleeping in, or going for coffee, or whatever the case may be. Consider that dedicated recovery day, and you may need it, especially in a longer camp. All right. Another tip for prioritizing recovery, which I don't see many people do this. I see a lot of people ignore this, and that is minimizing outside stressors. Let me say this again. I've said it many, many times in the past. Training, riding your bike, interval work, those are stresses. It's built into the actual definition of training stress. Training stress is an additional stress on your body. There are other stresses on your body on a daily basis. Right? There are outside stresses. There's work stress. There's family stress. You've got to pay your bills. You've got to go take the car in for service. You have to take the dog to the vet. You have to walk the dog. Um, You have to take the garbage out. There's a ton of different stresses that your body undergoes on any given day. 
Uh, training stress is just an additional stress. And the goal of a training camp is to maximize your training stress potential. One way to maximize your training stress potential is to minimize external stressors. They only serve to take away from your body's ability to absorb the training stress you are putting forth on the bike. Does that make sense? So how do you minimize your regular outside stressors? Well, I hate to say this, but ignore the fact that the outside world exists. Avoid outside stress to really maximize that training camp potential. That means no work emails, no work phone calls, no family issues, no family events, stay off the telephone, do not put yourself under any further stress. This is your time. You've feasibly carved out an amount of time for you to go away somewhere, or even if you haven't gone away, even if you're sitting in your own house right now and you're doing a training camp right now, that's your time. You've carved that time out and you want to be able to use that time to its utmost potential. Is if you don't use that time to its utmost potential, you've wasted it. All right, you've wasted it. Pretty plain and simple. Now, if you don't want to waste that time, you need to maximize the training time you have and minimize the rest of it. This is actually pretty difficult to do if you are at home. I will say that for a fact. If you're at home, everybody's going to want a piece of you and everybody's going to say, well, you're home, you can do this, or you're home, you can do that, or you can take the garbage out, or you can vacuum, or you can do X, Y, or Z. You should be doing the bare minimum during your training camp. The bare minimum might be cooking dinner and going to bed. That might be the bare minimum. And if that's the bare minimum, then so be it. If you've carved the time out, make sure you use it wisely and avoid all of those external stresses that are going to give you a headache. Side note here. This doesn't mean ignore everything. Don't ignore that your family exists. Don't ignore absolute necessities, right? If for some godforsaken reason you have a family emergency, don't ignore the family emergency. Don't say that, well, you know, you told me to. No. If you have a family emergency, you have a family emergency, right? But don't put undue stress or anxiety on your body while you're trying to overload it already. That's my point there, okay? Another way to maximize your training camp potential is to focus on tuning your body. Now, that's a pretty vague and ambiguous thing, but tuning your body during a training camp really sets you up for success later on during the season. And it doesn't have to be racing success, but it can be. What it can set you up for is training success, all right? There are two main things that I'm going to factor in here, and that is to look at your hydration and look at your nutrition strategies. Training camps are huge, stressful events. They put a lot of stress on your body. And I'm just, what I should do on this podcast, I should put a, um, like a speedometer type counter on this to say the number of times I've used the word stress in this podcast, because I'm really realizing it right now that it, oh my God, it's, it's like every other word. 
but anyway, <laughs> I digress anyway. Um, focus on tuning into your hydration and nutrition status. What works for you on the bike in terms of eating and drinking? If I'm going to a training camp, you can better believe that I'm going to spend some time saying, oh, well, I'm going to try X, Y, or Z new nutrition concept. I'm going to try X, Y, or Z amount of water in my bottles or hydration mix or whatever the case may be. I'm going to test these out during my training camp. If they're successful during a training camp in which I'm putting in four, five, six, eight hundred training stress then they're definitely going to be successful during a regular training week later in the season where I'm only putting in 300, 400 training stress points along with all the rest of life's little problems that go along with any kind of amateur bike rider, racer, etc., etc., right? So assuming you're able to try different nutritional approaches, try different hydration approaches... You're going to want to write all those down. You're going to want to keep a log. What worked? Monday, I went out and I did um, three by, I don't know, I did eight by three minute VO2 intervals at 120% of threshold. And I drank um, a bottle and a half, you know, during that workout and I ate um, one gel and I felt great. Um, day two, I went out and did long zone two recovery type work and I had, um, you know, a small sandwich and three bottles of water. Great. Day three, I tried a bottle of scratch mix and, um, maybe a hammer gel and I felt like shit. So day three, scratch that out, man. You're not going to want to do that later on in the season, right? So you can understand here by actually sitting down and logging your training logging your nutrition, logging your hydration, you can actually get an idea of what's going to work later on in the season. So if you're coming up on a really hard training block during your, you know, your regular training program during the season, you can actually sit there and say, hmm, you know, when I was in the training camp, I tried this and it worked out really well. Maybe I should do that again because that's going to work out really well now and it's going to help me to be better during my training. You follow what I'm saying here? Use the training camp time as a time to experiment with different things. Don't take the chance of hosing your regular training by trying something different. Now, I know I've talked about many times in the past, making sure your nutrition and hydration strategies are taken care of in your training, but make sure that those nutrition and hydration strategies have their basis in your training camp time, right? Consider it part of your recovery. Consider it a time for you to experiment, right? How long should a training camp be? This is a pretty nebulous question, and it's a pretty tough question to answer because everybody's a little bit different. Everybody has a little bit different concept of what they can or can't do. Everybody has a little bit different time frame, Right? Some people can't take a week off work in order to do a training camp. Some people are basically stuck um, doing a long weekend. A long weekend could be three days. 
Some people, if you have the ability to take that time off, you might be doing a training camp that's five, six, or seven days long. That's a long training camp. So basically what I'm going to tell you here is pick a training camp that is, number one, in line with what you can accomplish. If you can take a week off work, take a week off work. Do your training camp for a week. If you can only take a couple of days, take a couple of days. Number two, your training camp length should have something to do with the seriousness or the intensity of your yearly training program and your yearly goals. Do you intend to race every weekend from May to January? Do you plan on doing road, crit, track, and cyclocross? If that's what you're going to do, you know, you probably want a little bit longer training camp in order to reap the benefits that you're going to need for a longer, more involved season as you go along. If you're really only going to race a short season, maybe your local racing season is only, I don't know, a month and a half, maybe it's six to seven races, a shorter training camp isn't necessarily going to hurt you. In fact, it might do you well to just get that big bump in fitness, get a lot of recovery following it, and then be, be on your way, right? So number one and number two is the amount of time you can take and, of course, <laughs> the intensity of your actual training season, what you're going to be doing and what you're going to be accomplishing during the season. One thing that I will recommend here is if you're going to do a longer training camp. So, for example... You have a really long season coming up. You're going to race most of the weekends from May to December, May to January. You're going to do a seven-day training camp. I'm going to tell you flat out, build a rest day into the middle of that training camp. If you're doing a training camp that is in total longer than four days worth of work, you need a rest day in the middle. And just like I talked about, a rest day may be something as simple as I'm going to take the dog for a hour walk today and I'm going to feel really good because I've got my legs moving. Or it could be as simple as I'm going to sit out on the couch for a while. Um, I'm going to sit in a nice bath, whatever, right? So there's a multitude of different ways to take a recovery day. And again, take a look at the information in the episode show notes at tailwind-coaching.com slash 82, there's some links to some different recovery resources in there. But that recovery day becomes very, very important when your training camp actually stretches beyond four days of actual training stress. Okay. Finally, <clears throat> training camp tips and tricks. What can you do to really get even more out of your training camp? Well, how about we try to fit your training camp into your training schedule as a whole? Now, in some respects, you're going to be sitting there going, but, but, but I'm using my training camp to sort of plan out my season, right? Maybe that I just talked about the fact that maybe one day you're going to spend some time going through your season and planning your season-long training program. And that's fine. That's that's not a problem. You can do that. But you have to be able to fit that training camp into your season's training as a whole. Now, what that means 
that means that you have to plan to have a huge spike in training stress and you have to reduce the intensity, reduce the duration, reduce the volume before and after that training camp. Otherwise, your body simply won't be able to either put out the stress or absorb it and make adaptations that will actually help your body get stronger. So in the grand scheme of things, if I'm planning on, say, a training camp for the entire first week of April, the last week of March, the second week of April, should be lower volume, lower intensity weeks to prepare my body to begin with, to prepare it to handle the amount of training stress I'm about to put on it, and afterwards to absorb the training stress that I just forced upon it, okay? So that may sound a little bit redundant, but, and it may sound like, oh, well, that, that's common sense. Well, you know what they say? Common sense is not so common, right? So if you're going to do a training camp, you have to fit it into your season plan and your season program as a whole. Ease into it. The second point here, ease into that training camp. Remember what I said? I've been to training camps where that first day, we go out and we do a 50-mile ride the first week of April when most people have been spending all their time on the trainer. It's real easy to overdo that ride. I can tell you from experience, it's easy to overdo that ride and cook yourself for the next couple of days. Do not blow all of your intensity and all of your fitness and all your reserves on that first day. Ease into it a little bit. That first day is probably going to be a longer, more aerobically geared day. Sure, you can have some higher intensity intervals. You can have some sprint work. You could even, you know, be riding with a friend and hit the local town line sprints. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're assuming that on that first day you're going to do 5 by 8 minute VO2 intervals and track sprints and then race winners and the next day you're going to come back and do it all again, well, I got news for you. That's going to be pretty tough. Okay? That's going to be super tough. So, honestly, ease into it. I would tell you that first day, make an aerobic day. Get used to being on your bike. Put in some of that volume on that first day so you don't have to sit there and go, geez, I, I didn't get a lot of aerobic work. It's day three. I've only got a day and a half left. I really need to get this done. Get it done early. Get your body prepped. Your body will work better on that second day. So get that aerobic aspect finished first and then jump into the higher intensity stuff a little bit later on. Tip number three. Whatever you're going to do in terms of riding your bike, whether you're going to spend a lot of time on a trainer, um, well, if you're going to spend a lot of time on a trainer, this point doesn't really make any sense to you, but <clears throat> most people use a training camp early in the season to get outside, get acquainted with riding outside, and get in that training stress and that training volume. If you're going to do that, if you're going to ride outside, make sure you recon what you're going to do outside. Not reconning an outdoor ride, all right, especially for a training camp early in the season, is a recipe for disaster. I can speak from experience and tell you from experience, not reconning your ride is going to be a killer. Use Ride with GPS at a minimum 
to recon that ride and find out what am I in for in this ride? Am I going to be able to do aerobic work during this ride or am I going to get stuck doing long duration muscular muscular endurance at VO2 max? Okay, so use Ride with GPS, use Strava, use any other service you can. If you've got, if you've gone someplace way far away that you're not familiar with, look up some of the heat maps on Strava, look up some of the routes on Ride with GPS. Use the resources available to you to pick an appropriate route for the work that you're doing that day. And let the route dictate what you're doing that day. All right, if you've got a route that's rolling and moderately hilly, guess what? That's what you're going to use for your high-intensity day. If you've got flat roots, that's what your aerobic day is going to be, right? So keep that in mind to recon your rides and plan your rides to fit into your intensity and volume metrics. And the last tip I'm going to tell you is drill it until it's second nature. What does that mean? The one thing I left out of anything so far in this particular episode is the use of neuromuscular drills and skills. And skills is something different than neuromuscular drills in this case. In this case, during that recovery time, that active recovery time where maybe you're going to be doing some riding but you're not going to actually be putting a lot of training stress on your body, you can do skill drills. Set up a bunch of cones, practice uh, cornering drills, practice bike handling drills, right? Practice low speed handling drills, practice track standing. Skill sessions are a great break from the regular training stimulus that goes on during any training camp. So build them into your recovery time. No, No time on the bike where you're doing just aerobic work needs to be wasted, Right? No time needs to be wasted. If you're going on a 30-mile flat route, so you have a 30-mile ride that has a 1,000 feet of elevation gain, you're not going to be doing a lot of climbing. But you can be doing a lot of high-cadence work. You can be doing a lot of spin-up work. You can even be doing single-leg drills if you're really good out on the road. If you're not comfortable, don't do it. You can do a lot of pace line work. And you can even do cornering work. You can find... A, a circuit type route and you can work on handling drills you can work on ha- carving chicanes in corners you can work on transitions out of corners you can work on cornering itself you can work on accelerating down a hill but there's a ton of different things you can do in the meantime that will actually give you benefits on top of the aerobic fitness that you are building at that point for active recovery days a perfect thing to do on active recovery days is to actually set up a cornering drill or a handling circuit because it puts you on the bike it makes your legs move but it's so low intensity that you really don't have to do much all right it's a way to cheat get some active recovery and still be on your bike making some kind of improvements all right so now you guys know how to do a training camp. You know how to plan a training camp. So go out and plan a training camp. For those of you who are in the Northern Hemisphere, winter is just around the corner. Set your goals, set your training program up, and build a training camp into it. You can absolutely do it. 
take a chance to go somewhere nice and take about a long weekend to just ride your bike, enjoy riding it, and build some big fitness. All right. I want to thank all of you for listening. And again, I want to thank all of you um, for the constant support that you guys have offered to me. Um, it's really awesome. Really, really awesome. Until next time, keep the shiny side up. Keep the rubber side down. Plan yourself a nice time away in a nice training camp using these tips and tricks. And I'll be talking to you guys again really, really soon.